Doctor, do you have a comment for us? No comment. Just glad to be out of custody. What are you going to do? I'll answer uh, any further questions for you. All right, we're going to hear more about that uh, quote and to help guide us through what was a major crime story almost half a century ago in Little Rock is Randy Dixon with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Randy, welcome back. What are we looking at this week? Well, this was probably the most sensational uh, crime and trial to follow, trials to follow, uh, of the 1970s. It was in small town, Searcy, Arkansas. 1974, the body of Fern Rogers was found in her home, uh, shot twice in the head, and um, it, it caused uh, quite an uproar uh, in town, and there was an extensive investigation by police, and uh, it ended up pointing strongly towards her estranged husband, who was well-known in the community, uh, Dr. Uh, Porter Rogers, who was a millionaire doctor, had been practicing uh, medicine in the community for decades, even had bought a hospital and named it uh, after him. And it what began to unravel uh, became very lurid. It had everything. It had, uh, you know, the scandal of murder and sex. It turned out that Dr. Rogers was having an affair with his 21-year-old secretary by the name of Peggy Hale. Uh, the investigation led to their arrest on top of her, uh, her ex-boyfriend by the name of William Kimbrell, who the police say the two hired and paid several thousand dollars uh, to actually commit the murders. So this sets the stage for uh, three trials. And um, why don't we start off by getting it set up by uh, KETV's John Hudgens. Dr. Porter Rogers Sr. is currently undergoing psychiatric examination in connection with charges he had a part in the murder of his wife last September. Dr. Rogers' secretary, Miss Peggy Hale, this morning pled not guilty in White County Circuit Court in connection with charges she had a part in that murder. A third person also charged with murder is William Kimbrell of BB. He's represented by attorney Jack Lessonberry, and this morning, through his attorney, asked for a continuance. Circuit Judge John Anderson of Helena granted that continuance until sometime in early March. There's an impressive lineup of attorneys in this case. Dr. Rogers himself will be represented by Ed Bethune, Miss Hale by Jack Holt. Prosecutor Gene Raff has said that he will seek the death penalty in connection with the murder charges. He's sticking by that and said the state is ready to prosecute. This is John Hudgens in Searcy reporting for News Scene 7. It's John Hudgens uh, who worked for KATV in 1974, this week's Prior Center Profile, again using archives from the KATV uh, history of newscasts that are housed at the Prior Center. We're talking about a sensational murder in small town Arkansas in 1974. And some of the lawyers involved with this were well-known lawyers then, but they were going to become even bigger names in Arkansas history after this. Exactly. Ed Bethune became a U.S. congressman. Uh, Jack Holt, of course, we have talked to uh, in the past on this program, became a Supreme Court chief justice. And then Jack Lessonberry was a well-known attorney in central Arkansas. And the prosecutor was quite well-known, Gene Raff. 
Um, the trials begin, and Steve Barnes, um, as you know, with Arkansas PBS now, was a reporter for KATV, and he spent uh, the entire time, weeks, uh, in Searcy covering this trial. If all of this had been fiction from the pen of the South's greatest novelist, it would have been bad Faulkner. To fit the literary mold, this trial should have been held in the heat of summer. Attorneys dressed in white coats, overhead fans trying vainly to cool the courtroom. What we have is February and March, cold, rain, wet streets, and an overwhelming sense of sadness. People would rush home to see the 6 o'clock news because you didn't have Twitter. The Democrat was an afternoon paper at that time, but they wouldn't have had time to put to press what had happened in the trials that day. So people were getting, the, for the first time, information about what happened that day from Steve Barnes and Channel 7. That's true, and they didn't have a 5 o'clock news either. So that was the program of record, the newscast of record, would be the 6 o'clock news. Um, he continued his coverage throughout the weeks ahead, and this is what developed. Uh, Peggy Hale, the girlfriend, um, ended up pleading guilty and testified against the other defendants in their trials. And it was kind of a crazy trial that drew a lot of attention, even national attention, um, especially for Dr. Rogers. Um, for instance, when the murder charges were read in court, he plugged his fingers in his ears, and there were times that the judge had to call a recess because of his uncontrolled sobbing uh, during the trial. Um, what also came out that was that Rogers was quoted as telling police, the only reason I can explain Fern's death was because I was hungry for Peggy Hale. That, that's a headline for you, isn't it? But in the end, Rogers was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Um, here is Ed Bethune, his attorney's reaction uh, after the verdict. Ed, were you surprised by the verdict? Well, uh, I had hoped for something less than that. I'd be candid with you about that. Uh, anytime you work on a case for as long as I've worked on this one, uh, you always try to be optimistic and uh, look for something a little better than that. However, uh, it was satisfying to me that the jury could easily see that this was not a capital felony murder case. What was your client's reaction up there when you were talking with him up in his cell? Just as it always has been. Uh, Dr. Rogers uh, has good balance. Were you happy on that, please? What, what did he say? Was he disappointed? At, at, uh, this, at this point in time, I think Dr. Rogers uh, is in, in good shape. That's future Congressman Ed Bethune reacting to his, um, his client being uh, found guilty and sentenced to uh, life in prison. Now we're going to hear from the prosecutor, Gene Raff, who was also asked what he thought of the verdict. Is this a satisfying verdict? <laughs> Oh, I think that we had an exceptionally fine jury. I think that they made a dedicated effort uh, to sift through this evidence, to find out where truth was, and they rendered their verdict. Uh, as you know, we have two other cases that are going to be uh, in the offing. And I think if I commented any further on it at this time, it probably would uh, not be in the best interest of the system. Did you think you could get a capital felony murder conviction? Oh, let me say this to you. I think that we presented the evidence uh, with respect to this. Uh, the punishment, the determination is in the hands of a jury, and that's where it should be. That's our system, and it works well. 
Now, this next cut, Randy Dixon, from fall of 1974, this is the son of the doctor who's just been convicted of murdering, I would assume, this man's mother. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this is um, Porter Rogers Jr., and uh, I was surprised at how calm and collected he was uh, in his response to, to the verdict. This is a great tragedy from the very start. All of the circumstances are tragic. Uh, I think that justice has been served. I think uh, my father was tried by his peers in his home county. A best effort was given by the judiciary system, by the prosecution, by the, pr the defense, and also by the jury. And I feel that justice at this point has been served. Porter Rogers Jr. We're talking about what was a wildly sensational uh, crime and subsequent um, trials in, 47 years ago in White County in Arkansas. All right, we've heard that Dr. Rogers is guilty, sentenced to life in prison. The person who we believe pulled the trigger? Yes, um, William Kimbrell. He was also found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. So all that was left was Peggy Hale, and Steve Barnes is still on the job. For prosecutors Gene Raff and Robert Edwards, the end of a year of investigation and interrogation was at hand. The last defendant was before the bar, the only member of the trio of conspirators to acknowledge guilt. When court began, defense attorney Holt insisted that Miss Hale had been the victim of Dr. Rogers, that the young woman had been dazzled by the wealth and influence the physician wielded, and he said the convictions of Dr. Rogers and Barry Kimbrell would have been impossible without her cooperation. He asked the court for a reduction to second-degree murder and recommended a sentence of 10 years. Prosecutor Raff told the court that justice was required for Mrs. Rogers, her family, for White County. No conspirator was less guilty than another he argued they all did their part in the taking of a human life he agreed to a reduction to second-degree murder but asked for the maximum 21-year penalty judge anderson noted that conviction of dr rogers and kimbrell would have been difficult improbable he termed it without cooperation from miss hale it is with some degree of reluctance the judge said the charge is reduced to second-degree murder. Anderson then imposed the maximum sentence of 21 years. Steve Barnes reporting in 1974 for KATV. Here's something else that shocked me. I mean, just, and this was a story, I was 11 years old in 1974. I was not aware when this was going on. But here's something else that kind of surprises me. After she's sentenced, she talks to Steve Barnes. I feel relieved. I'm happy. I knew that um, I would receive a fairly stiff sentence. I think that it was fair. I'm ready to get this part of my life behind me and look to the future. Again, I think, I think one thing this speaks to is the overwhelming near monopoly that l television had with a story like this in the mid-1970s. That's true. Um, and... It seemed to me, especially during this trial, that that everyone was quite open to speak uh, to the cameras. You had all the attorneys, you had the prosecutor, you even had uh, a convicted murderer, Peggy Hale, uh, or she pleaded guilty. So um, let's hear how Gene Raff, he's, been, he's spent uh, probably more than a year 
uh, working on these cases and these trials. And this is sort of his thoughts about, about the whole process. It is difficult for me to see when three people combine together, conspire, scheme, and take the life of a human being, it's most difficult to assign relative degrees of responsibility. I think the issue before the court today was not what are those relative degrees of responsibility, but rather what was the measure of cooperation that this particular defendant had given with respect to the prosecution and to the evidence of the plan, the scheme, and the design. All right, Randy, like you, I am surprised listening back to this, just how much access the defendants, those affected by the crime, the prosecutors, the defense lawyers, how much time they spent in front of cameras and microphones. And so Steve Barnes asked the judge of the case about this. Well, and that's very unusual. Judges usually don't sit down in front of a camera and talk about a specific case. But uh, Judge John Anderson from Helena, who presided over all of this, uh, had these things to say to Steve. Judge Anderson, do you recognize an inherent conflict between fair trial and free press? No, Steve, I don't see any conflict. I think it's a matter of mutual understanding and mutual trust. That is certainly what we had in the course of this trial. As you recall, I asked all of you representatives of the media in the chambers before the trial started and told you that I would allow you as wide a latitude as possible within the confines of criminal procedure and, and in order not to prejudice the integrity of this trial. And I told you that I would let you in on a whole lot of in-camera proceedings if I had your word and the word of the other press that they would not publish anything without my knowledge or consent. And I must say, I had full cooperation of the press. I do not believe that in the course of the trial my requests were violated one time. I can't, I mean, I imagine this was, I mean, Searcy and White County, not that far away from Little Rock, but imagine this was a statewide conversation and, and watching this lurid trial, trials take place. Yes, and it also received national attention. There were, uh, I believe the New York Times uh, covered it, uh, certainly not to the extent that someone in Arkansas or the media in Arkansas would, but um, it did get, get national attention. Dr. Rogers, convicted, sentenced to life, but he appeals. Yes, and there was a question of whether or not to let him be released on bond while he waited on the appeal, and these were Gene Graff's thoughts. There's evidence adduced in this trial that the defendant in this case is worth some $5 million. When you realize that and you realize the verdict of a jury uh, composed of White County people, uh, that he has been sentenced to life imprisonment, you have to look to the motive that the person would have if released upon bail to leave the jurisdiction of this court. And the bond must be consistent with that motive and consistent with his financial assets and resources. Here's another thing that shocks me. Going back in this, he was released while they considered. He sure was. And, you know, you're talking a millionaire who, who has access to uh, a lot of resources, um, but the cameras caught up with uh, Rogers and his attorney, uh, Ed Bethune, as they were leaving the courthouse after they made bond. Doctor, do you have a comment for us? 
No comment. Just glad to be out of custody. What are you going to do? What do you do? Your I'll answer uh, any further questions for you, General. Uh, Dr. Rogers is pleased to be out of custody, state and federal, and intends to enjoy uh, himself while his case is appealed to the Arkansas Supreme Court. First thing that hasn't surprised me about this story is the lawyer, the defense lawyer, Ed Bethune, saying, I'll take the questions from here. I'll, I'll handle this. Yeah, it's, a, it's probably a smart move. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we put all this to rest, but, you know, Steve Barnes, who has covered this from start to finish, um, has some final thoughts here in a report on Channel 7. It is highly unlikely, of course, that Miss Hale will serve a sentence even approaching 21 years in length. With time served awaiting trial and with the possible accumulation of good time at the women's penitentiary, Miss Hale could be free in roughly three years. Both Dr. Rogers and Barry Kimbrell are appealing their verdicts, so the litigation could easily last another year. But the drama that came of the state's most sensational murder trial is largely, if not completely, ended. It was a case that held captive the attention of the state and much of the nation, a case that exposed the best and worst of mankind. But more than a lesson in human nature, it was trauma for the members of three families and all the people who loved them. This is Steve Barnes in Searcy reporting for New Scene 7. Porter Rogers uh, died in prison uh, in 1980. And uh, one little footnote, apparently the inscription on his tombstone reads, an exceptional man. Well, this is uh, something that I had very little knowledge of. And it's just one of the many things that KETV covered over the past 70 years or so. That's right, and you can see it all on our website. Just Google Pryor Center and go to the KATV section. Randy Dixon is with the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History. Talk again next Monday. Can do.